All right, good morning, City Light. How are you guys doing? Uh, I was super encouraged just by listening and worshiping with that last song that Jesus really is alive, and that means that even in the midst of this craziness, in the midst of whatever's going on in this moment, uh, with us being separated when we run services and all that, that Jesus is alive. And so the same Lord who would move in the midst of a service full of people is the same Lord who is alive and active, moving now in this place, moving in your house, moving at your couch, moving amongst your kids, getting them to just listen and be quiet to the sermon as I'm sure they're doing. Uh, the Lord is moving and working in and through us together and is unifying our hearts so even as we're in separate locations, God is alive and God is moving just like he would any other way. And so I was just thinking about that as we were singing and just encouraged by that this morning. Uh, you know, it can get just like, man, I just want everybody to be together and I want the Lord to be able to provide that opportunity and, and just being reminded that he's working just as much and probably more so uh, than he would in ways that we might seem to be more normal. Uh, so trusting him for that, I just encourage you to trust him in that way today. Uh, just let the Lord bless you, lead you, guide you, convict you, challenge you, comfort you, uh, and just work in and through your life this morning as we open his word. Just open yourself to him as we do that together this morning. So we're going to be in First Peter again. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you guys again. I mean, I get these kind of information every week, but the Lord is just working, he's opening doors, he's using you and your giving and your time and your investment, he's really working in and through your life, and so I'm just super thankful for you guys. Last Wednesday, we served about 630 meals at Mark's Pub, 630, that's crazy, okay, that's the most we've done every week we get to do more, and God keeps opening the doors there. We had some extras this time, like last time, and one of our pastors, Luis, uh, our Latino pastor, he went over to a community and just started handing them out, just all the leftovers to people we hadn't planned to give to and was just able to share the gospel and bless so many other families that way. That's happened multiple weeks now. Uh, our little staff thread where we just go through different stuff is just full of stories. We just keep hearing about things that the Lord is doing, the way he's working, just encouragement here, a small thing there, this, that, 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 and the other just telling you like left and right. I've had friends talk about how people from like the past are reaching out to them out of nowhere uh, to ask about city life or to discuss spiritual things about Jesus. So God is working in people's hearts when he's bringing things to the surface. He's also working in and through this church. He's working in our community. Uh, and so just if, if you're in the midst of being worn out, you know, by the situation, or if you're in the midst of some doubt or just being kind of fearful or just wondering what God's doing, I just want to affirm to you that God is working, he's moving, he's opening doors, he's saving souls, he's using this church, he's using you to do great things. So be encouraged, continue to pray, continue to step in any way you can. God is on the move. So, 1 Peter chapter 1, this is our last week in the Will You Pass the Test series. This has been so important, just even from my own heart, as one of your pastors, to help you make sure that you know the condition of your soul. And so as we've been saying, God not only wants to comfort you in the midst of trouble and crisis, but also to challenge you, right? His goal isn't only to reassure you, but to lead you to repentance. And what's most important for us is to let this season of life clarify for each one of us where we really stand with God. 
How are we really living? What is our life really about? What does that look like for real, for real? What is the condition of our heart, of our soul before the Lord? And so I hope that you've listened to our last couple. The first time we talked about how the test reveals the truth and how this season of life is revealing where we really put our trust. It's revealing the truth about our life, about our soul, about all those things. Last week we talked about how you don't have to guess and check with your soul, with your eternity. You don't have to guess and check. You can know for sure. You can be certain about who you are, about what your eternity can be. And then this week, our last week in our series of Will You Pass the Test is about not quitting, okay? It's called Don't Quit Now. So turn to your neighbor and say, don't quit. All right, turn to those say, don't quit. Turn to your neighbor, say, don't quit. Look at your kids, say, don't quit. Don't quit now. You can only pass a test if you finish the test. We all know this. You can only pass a test if you finish it. And so the Bible says that the one who endures to the end, that's the one who is saved. Now we also know from the scriptures, Philippians 1.6 is an example, that God's the one really leading the charge and making sure that we end up okay. It says that God will finish what he starts in us. But we are called through the scriptures to join him in that, to join him in what he's doing in our life. And situations like this can cause so many people to doubt. It can cause you to really struggle in a way that prevents you from joining God in his mission in the world right now. It can cause you to kind of put pause, hit the pause button on your faith or on living that out. It can cause you to really question God and his sovereignty, what he's doing in the world. And so a few weeks ago, you know, we ran a conference to help you think through some of those things. I wanna encourage you, really encourage you today so that you can finish strong the race that God has laid out for you to not quit now. I know it's been hard, and I know that we have a long road ahead. Okay, who knows? Who, nobody really knows what this looks like, what the future is gonna hold for us. But obviously, unless the Lord does a miracle, 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 which he can do, uh, this will persist in this situation. We'll, we'll try to figure it out, see what it looks like. But it's a long road ahead. And so I wanna encourage you to not quit now. Don't quit. Now, the way we're gonna do that is look at the scriptures today and learn about the joy that believers can experience in Jesus. You should write this down. Joy is essential for endurance. Joy is essential for endurance. Hebrews 12 teaches us this with Jesus. It says that Jesus endured the cross looking to the joy that was before him. Jesus was looking to the joy of having his people come back to him, of being again with the right hand of the Father. He's looking to the joy, and through that, he endures the cross. And joy was the essential ingredient of his ability to really endure. Well, something we're gonna see from this passage is you don't quit in the middle of being happy, in the middle of rejoicing. Do you remember if you ever quit anything just because you were rejoicing? You were yelling happy. What, what game, what fan has left a game when they're excited because they're scoring all the touchdowns? Nobody. Everybody leaves when they're losing. That's when they quit. You don't quit when you're in the middle of rejoicing. And the pain in the present can be and biblically will be overwhelmed by the joy that comes in the future. And so I wanna help you now deal with your present, to persevere, to endure, by looking to the joy that God has for your future in Christ. 
and by motivating you with the essential ingredient of joy to help you endure to the very end. You know, when I think about this, there's a very big hill. Okay, I say hill when I say hill. Hill, 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 right? Some of y'all be like, I'm not talking about the back of my foot, hill. I'm talking about a hill like this, all right? Well, that's how Southerners talk. So there's a hill, okay, and right by my house. And when we go for a walk down the trail, everything's good and gravy until we have to come back home, and then you're already tired from the walk. And that last bit, I'm telling you, this hill is like straight up, okay? It's like so, so straight up. It's very steep. And we live at the very top of the hill, okay? So that's where our house is. So especially when we take all of our kids, all four of our kids, in the stroller, we've been playing, we've been having fun, everybody's been getting energy out. We're walking back. They all got scooters and all sorts of things. And we get to the bottom of this hill, and within three seconds, everybody's like, ah! They want to give up. And they're, you know, they start falling to the ground as kids do, and they're like, I can't do this anymore, you know, and they're really having a good old time by now. And I always have to tell them, okay, finish the word, Persa. They'll say, Verence, okay? You finish it at home, Persa, Verence, Perseverance. I say, you got to persevere. We got to endure. We got to make it to the top. I know this hill looks big, and I know there's, it feels like there's a lot left, okay? But it's actually not that far. It's just a steep hill. We got to make it to the end. Now, if you can get up and make it up this hill with me, then there's going to be popsicles waiting for you, okay? We're going to sit on the porch. We're going to eat popsicles. It's going to be awesome, okay? Red popsicles, orange popsicles, whatever, whatever you want. We're going to go sit on the popsicles. So if you can just make it to the top of the hill, we're going to eat some popsicles, okay? Then they'll get up, okay, and they, they chug their way up. And little by little, one step at a time, they persevere, they endure, they make it. And the reason they did that was not because they wanted to prove anything to me. It's because they wanted a popsicle, okay? They were convinced that when they get to the top, daddy's going to give them a popsicle. And that joy, that excitement for that, let them, helped them endure one little step at a time up this hill, okay? And I want you to have that same kind of thought in your mind as the scriptures tell us about what's to come, as the scriptures tell us about the joy that we can have in the moment, as we all together climb this hill of coronavirus, we climb this hill of losing jobs and climb this hill of all these difficult things happening around us and sickness and death. We climb this hill together as we're going through it and some of y'all are ready to quit. And I don't blame you. You're just like, I'm totally done with this. I don't know how I'm gonna do this anymore, right? And some of y'all are really, really struggling to take that next step. How am I gonna make it to, to the end? And I wanna encourage you today with the scriptures to help give you that motivating key a feeling of joy. Not just feeling, but knowledge and experience of God's real joy for you. So 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to read 3 through 9, but like we've done the last two weeks, we're going to focus on this particular two verses, 8 and 9. So start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, 
obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So as we said, my desire today is that you would finish strong, that you would not quit now, that you would endure through this season until whenever God calls you home, that you would have that kind of perseverance. And the essential ingredient for that is joy. So he says here, though you haven't seen him, you believe him, you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. One of the ways I think about joy like this is the word overflowing. It's just so much. It's inexpressible. You know, it's almost like I'm speechless. It's filled with glory. It's overflowing. So think about the joy God wants you to have, all right? Take a, take a soda, okay, if you have a soda in your hand right now, which you probably don't because it's early in the morning. But if you did, then you take it or go to your fridge and grab one. This would be a great illustration for your kids, okay? Shake it all up. Shake it up. And then watch what happens when you open it, right? It just comes out. It just overflows. It just pops out. And that is what I think the experience here is talking about is in verse 6. So you grieved, you have various trials. You're still filled with this overflowing, inexpressible joy. When you get shaken up with trials, what pops out of you is joy. Now, that's amazing. I don't know how we can get to that experience except through the promises that God gives to us. But this is the picture I want you to have in your mind of what the Bible describes as inexpressible, glory-filled joy in the context of terrible, terrible difficulty and struggles. Shake the soda can up. Shake your life up. What pops out is joy. So that's what we're going for today. So let me give you a sentence to write down. It's kind of a summary sentence of what we're saying today. Here we go. We endure by focusing on the outcome of our faith, not the outcome of our life. This is very important. It comes from that phrase in verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith. Right? The goal here is to obtain the outcome of your faith. So we endure by focusing not on the outcome of our life, but on the outcome of our faith. Not on the outcome of our circumstances now, but on the outcome of what we're really trusting in and believe in, the outcome of our faith. The outcome of your faith is way more important than the outcome of your life. And some of you now are listening to this. You're watching it with a friend or family member or somebody sent you a link, and you're like, so they'll stop bothering me. I'm going to listen to this, okay? This is for you, okay, just for you. You're watching this. You're listening to this. You don't believe and trust in Jesus, and I want to help you understand the difference between these two things, the outcome of your faith, the outcome of your life. You're putting all your eggs, right, in the basket of the outcome of your life, how well your job goes, whether you get the disease or don't get the disease, whether somebody close to you dies or doesn't, whatever it might be, the outcome of your life. And what I'm trying to help you understand and get to, what Jesus wants for you, is to put your life in the outcome of your faith. And some of you may have faith, but you've put it in the wrong place. And that's not going to help you either. Jesus brought you today to this link to watch this so that he could become your faith. And I want you to stay listening so that you can learn what it looks like to truly put your faith in Jesus. So two quick things for you. This is two things we're going to talk about today. For the outcome of your life, I'm going to tell you to put it in perspective. And for the outcome of your faith, I'm going to tell you to put it in the person of Jesus Christ. Those are the two simple things. So we endure by focusing on the outcome of our faith, not the outcome of our life. When you look at the outcome of your life, I want you to put it in perspective. When you look at the outcome of your faith, I want you to put it in Jesus Christ. So those are two things today. So the first one, put it in perspective. Turn to your neighbor and say, put it in perspective. 
Say it with emphasis, like, put it in perspective, you know? Like, you're really bringing it home, okay? Put it in perspective. So look at verse 6 with me again. It says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And I want to give a little life to that sentence to you, because Peter is talking to people that are literally getting persecuted, and all sorts of terrible things are happening to them. So verse 6, that one little statement, grieved by various trials, includes... Some of these, all of these things and more. Family members dying and getting killed. People around them getting sick and not getting better. Moms and dads going to jail and not seeing their kids anymore. This includes people being ridiculed, threatened, marginalized. This includes people losing the ability to provide for their family because they are endangered because of their reputation. This includes anxiety, depression, sadness, hopelessness, despair, and fear. This is real travesty, real tears, real sorrow. There's nothing trivial. All of that and more is included when he says, you guys are being grieved by various trials. This is serious. This isn't like, oh, things are just a little bit hard for you. No. So you could easily put pandemic in that as well. Easily. Just say, oh, this is included in something as difficult as what they're experiencing, the things we experience during a pandemic, and way worse, to be honest, that's what they're going through. So that's serious, right? That's weighty. Now I want you to think about the role that verse 6 plays in the whole package. You know what? Verse 6, it's like a side note. He's like, wow, this is amazing. Inheritance, undefiled, imperishable. God is keeping it for you. He's guarding it for you. Man, he loves you. And you know what? You may be sad for a little while, have a few trials, but... Jesus loves you. You love him. You have joy inexpressible. You're going to be saved and obtain the outcome of your faith. So verse 6, which includes all the terrible things I mentioned, is so insignificant to the passage at large that it's just a little side note, or what you might want to say is a setup. The terrible things happening in verse 6 in their lives are a setup for the glory and the wonderful things God wants to do in their life. Verse 6 and all the bad things aren't prominent in the passage. The prominent thing is hope and life and Jesus. That's the prominent thing. And so what I want you to see, that's what I say, put it in perspective. Put it in perspective. We are to take our various trials that we are enduring for a little while now, and we got to put it in the perspective. we got to wrap it around all the wonderful things God has told us. All the things God has promised us. Things like verse 9, that we can obtain the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. God is helping you through the scripture to put it in the right perspective. To see things as he sees things. So often, let me help you walk through this a little bit more. Perspective is usually a result of comparison. So let me give you a little bit of examples on this, okay? I feel tall. Generally speaking, when I walk around, generally, I feel tall. I feel pretty tall with all the people that I'm around. But if I was to step on an NBA floor, which will probably never happen, but if I were to do that, I would not feel tall anymore. Or something simpler, even more local to us, if I was to stand next to somebody like Steve Jacobson, who's like 6'5", I wouldn't feel tall anymore. Okay, shout out to you, my brother. I wouldn't feel tall anymore if I stood next to him. My being tall is a matter of comparison, okay? It's a matter of perspective. My perspective changes when I compare it to something else. Or think about like a, a food you used to like, a restaurant you used to love, and then you found somebody else who did it better. You don't even go to that other place anymore because now your perspective of that first place is changed because you compared it to something else, something better. 
something taller. And I want you to see the same thing is true with our faith and with our thinking about our circumstances right now. And our problem is that we compare our present circumstance with past circumstances or with other people's present experiences. So I'm looking around and I'm like, this is terrible. And I'm looking back and I'm like, that was terrible. And I'm looking right now and I'm thinking, oh, that's terrible. And now I get caught up in all these feelings and all these, these things that I was just saying that depress me and that make me anxious and sad and all that stuff. And I don't have the right perspective because I haven't compared my present circumstance to the right thing. Perspective is a matter of what you're comparing it to. And what God is trying to do here is compare for us, and he does this throughout all the scriptures in so many places, like 2 Corinthians 4. He's trying to compare for us what our present experience is compared to what Jesus has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us. And what he wants to do for you today, for all of us here, for everybody, he wants to wrap your present experience that's making you want to quit, he wants to wrap that in all his promises. And just take your experience and wrap it in all his promises and then give you joy based off you putting your perspective on what God is really doing and will do for you in Jesus. So this is super important for us. A few things for you to write down. The outcome of your life might be a little suffering, but the outcome of your faith can be a great salvation. So the outcome of your life, right, you endure by looking at the outcome of your faith, not the outcome of your life. The outcome of your life, what, what happens in your life, the things that come in your life, might be some suffering, a little suffering. But the outcome of your faith can be, if you put it in Jesus, a great salvation. So now you begin to make the comparison. The outcome of your life might be trials, but the outcome of your faith can be, and if in Jesus will be, triumph. Compare. Perspective is a matter of comparison. The outcome of your life might be gory, but the outcome of your faith can be glory. Just a nail, man. Just a nail makes all the difference. The outcome of your life might be gory. It might be hard. It might be ugly. It might be difficult. It might make you want to scream. The outcome of your life might be gory, but the outcome of your faith can be glory. It's a matter of Comparison, what are you comparing your present experience to? So for you watching this now, what is the outcome of your faith? Who are you trusting in? Who are you believing in? Is it yourself? Is it some scientists to help figure this out? Is it government and leaders? Is it your boss? Is it your own health? Is it a prophet from another different religion? Is it a way of life? What are you really believing in? What are you putting your faith in? Where is it leading to? What is the outcome of where you're placing your present faith? And I want to tell you today that the outcome of any faith that's not in Jesus is a dead end. There's nothing glorious to compare it to. You're suffering now. And so let's now look at number two, which is super important for us. Put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. So for the outcome of your life, put it in perspective, all right? Put it in perspective. For the outcome of your faith, put it in the person of Jesus Christ. 
The outcome of your faith needs to be put in the person of Jesus Christ and him alone. Verse 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. Verse 3 earlier will tell us that it's through Jesus and his resurrection from the dead that we obtain this inheritance. So Jesus Christ... And through particularly his death and resurrection, that is the means by which we get the inheritance that's undefiled, unfading, imperishable, kept in heaven for us, that we can look forward to one day that we will obtain forever. It's only through Jesus, only one name that can get you that inheritance. There's only one person that you should put your faith in, no other prophet, leader, self-help guru, scientist, Whatever can do this for you, only the name of Jesus. We have to put our faith in the person of Jesus if we want the outcome of salvation. If you want the outcome of salvation, please listen to me. If you want the outcome of salvation, you have to make sure that you have put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection for you. The outcome of your faith produces salvation because it's faith in someone who can save you. So already, let me ask you again, where are you putting your faith? Is that something that can guaranteed save you, that has all the power in the world, had no question, no doubt whatsoever? Can that thing that you're trusting 100% in any situation guaranteed save you? And most importantly, biblically, can that thing save you from God's judgment and God's wrath against you because of your sin? And the answer is, and as it's probably being revealed to you in your life now, no, there is only one name that can save. And as we're talking about who, how will you pass the test and telling you today to endure to the end, the reality of it is at the end of the day that only one person ever has passed the test. Only one person has lived perfectly to the end. Only one person has honored God in the way that should be done. Only one person has done this perfectly, and his name is Jesus. And the only way that you're going to pass the test and endure is if you trust in Jesus who already passed the test for you. Okay? This is your freedom to cheat. Take somebody else's test. Take Jesus' test. He's the one who lived a perfect life for you. This is why salvation, write this down, is a result of the outcome of your faith, not your work. So salvation is a result of the outcome of your faith. That's what it says, obtaining the outcome of your faith. He doesn't say obtaining the outcome of your good deeds, obtaining the outcome of your religion, obtaining the outcome of your works, obtaining the outcome of your gifts, obtaining the outcome of you being a nice person, obtaining the outcome of you not doing too many terrible things, obtaining the outcome of, no, 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 no. He says you obtain the outcome of your faith, not your work. And some of you are trusting right now in your works to produce the outcome of salvation. But there's only one person who can do that, who can work his way into salvation. His name's Jesus. He's the only person that lived a perfect life. He's the only person that was innocent. He was the only person that deserved that kind of gift. And he's the one who laid it down so that we could be saved. Jesus died in our place. He took our sin. He rose again from the dead. He says, if anybody believes in me, that person will obtain the outcome of their faith, of their belief, of their trust, namely salvation. Salvation is a gift of the outcome of your faith, not the outcome of your work. So once again, what are you putting your faith in? 
What is the outcome of your faith? So as we think about Jesus and what he's done, here's that part here. It says, though you've not seen him, you love him, and you rejoice with joy inexpressible, filled with glory. So just think about this, right? Jesus, who was perfect, lived and died for you. He rose again from the grave, and now he's promised to be with you forever if you put your faith in him. And now our response, right, is even though I haven't seen him, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, I see him with the eyes of my heart. Even though I can't give him a high five right now, I know him intimately and personally. He lives inside of me because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit. This is true. God is with me. God is for me. Jesus really is alive. I have hope right now and forever because of this. And so my response in the midst of trials, in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of whatever struggle and trials and various struggles may come my way is to say, I still have Jesus and I love him. I haven't seen him yet, but I love him and I know him and he came and revealed himself to us in time, in space, in history. He made the whole universe, has revealed himself through creation. He's revealed himself through his word and now he's revealed himself by living in me because I have trusted in him. Jesus has been who he said he is. He will always be who he said he is. He will never let me down. He will never disappoint. He will never not come through. He is my Savior and my Lord and my God. And therefore, now I can be filled with joy inexpressible, with joy that is full of glory. You can shake me up with all sorts of trials, and Lord will, and out will flow joy because of what Jesus has done inside of me for me, namely by saving me, being merciful to me as a sinner. And this kind of love from God produces great love in us for him, and this is what gives you joy to sustain you and help you endure till the end. Joy is the essential ingredient, and real joy comes directly from Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today, you endure by the outcome of your faith, not the outcome of your life. So take your life and put it in perspective. Compare it to everything God has promised and everything he's already done for you. And then take your faith, if you haven't done this yet, and please put it in Jesus so you can obtain the outcome of salvation. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you. We thank you for this joy that you offer us. We thank you for the salvation that you give us through trusting in you. We thank you that in the midst of various trials, we can still be filled with inexpressible joy because of what you have done for us. I pray that you would take this truth from the scriptures, that you would root it deep in our hearts, that you would call many today to respond to your love and to what you've done for them by believing and trusting in you. And may you continue to use us, help us to endure, to step out in faith, to continue to make a difference in the world around us. Lord, we trust you, we believe in you. Even though we haven't seen you, we love you, and we rejoice with a joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory because of what you have done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody at home, say it with me, amen.